Hello and welcome to the TopCast Pod Show, the number one show on the internet and the last people you want saving your country. I am your host, the Animal Vegetable Mineral Lan, and I'm joined here by the Kaiser Shark. Ah, you could have gone with Kaiser Tiger Shark or the Tiger Shark Man or King Tiger Shark. I don't know. Well, I mean, Kaiser means king or emperor, so I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. working on it. Just live with a Nimwe. Ah, that's his name. Nanawe. Nanawe. Nim Where did I get Nimwe? I have no. Maybe you're thinking about Sebastian. Maybe I am. Either way. Uh, main topic of the show today, obviously going to be James Gunn's Suicide Squad. But uh, first, we, we got a little, uh, a, a few things to talk about in the rundown, because this isn't the only bit of Idris Elba that we're talking about, because he just <laughs> got cast, or he just announced that he was cast <laughs> as Knuckles for the Sonic if, sequel. If you count that as an, as an announcement, I mean... It's, I, it's an announcement, I, he posted it, it's... It, it, it would be really fucking weird if it weren't him saying that he was playing Knuckles. Or, but... No, he's just a fan. Just Yeah, well, Hard Drive did that fucking piece, was like, oh, it, I, I almost kind of wish it was that, just to see the internet's response. But yeah. Idris Elba is Knuckles. Did you ever even think about that? Honestly, I haven't thought about Sonic since we saw it, so okay. uh, it, it, it's not something that it was like going through my head. Apparently, there was a massive discourse. Uh, you were telling me like a lot of people were saying maybe it's going to be Jason Momoa, maybe it's going to be The Rock, maybe it's going to be John Cena. Yeah. Uh, you know, just anybody that can play one of those like big guys with a nice big old voice, I and then Edris Elba, and I'm like, you know what? Man's got a nice voice. Idris Elba is such a weird pick, but I, I mean, I'm so about it because it is such a weird pick. Um, also, I can just listen to Idris Elba for fucking ever. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, I, I will say, uh, had they gone with any of those other options like Jason Momoa, John, even John Cena, or or we've seen that uh, Dwayne Johnson can act, voice act. Oh, of course he can. I think Dwayne is. You know, I think The Rock is probably one of the uh, better wrestler turned actors. I mean, he was the first one that went to Hollywood and proved like, look, you can put a wrestler in your movie and it's not gonna be dog shit. Yeah. Cause that's... before that you had like Hulk Hogan in like The Nanny or whatever and- I, I was fucking blown away that both, okay. So we also had Dave Bautista who's doing really yeah, good no, in that he, regard. Yeah, no, he really amped up when it came to his acting game. Like he took it serious. I, I just couldn't believe that John Cena is doing as well as he is because- He didn't start as good, uh, yeah. but man, uh, it, we'll, we'll get to it. But Suicide Squad, holy, like he, he was one of the standout performers in that one. I think primarily just because the script was very much written for him. That was a that was a character that fits John Cena's whole thing. Uh, although it's funny because he's like a he's a babyface, isn't he? He he was for a long time in wrestling. Yes, he is. He, like he has typically been the face. Uh, a lot of the times the crowd will give him heel heat, but he's always like, you know, friend, like he's like Gamera, friend of children. Gotcha. And in this movie, he's. But we'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I don't know. Idris Elba as Knuckles. Uh, everyone in the comments, what do you think about that? I'm, I'm fucking curious to hear people's I, responses. <laughs> I'm very interested as well. Uh, I I don't know like how to feel about the Sonic movies. I liked the first one. I think it was the last movie we all saw together before quarantine first kicked in. I, I think it, it was either that. I feel like there was actually... No, it was the My Hero movie. It right. was the second My Hero movie. Right. Because <laughs> I remember the last movie I saw before uh, quarantine, like before the, the first lockdown. You know, I'm just making sure to date ourselves if there's another one. Mm -hmm. uh, wear your masks, get vaccinated, all that. Uh, but the last movie I saw in theaters was The Invisible Man. Which I thought was really good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. That, not much to say about that, just a stupid tangential anecdote. Um, but yeah, so what else? Uh, I know that you, uh, for, for the longest time, you've been saying like, ooh, can, for, can the next talk cast be about Masters of the Universe? And I just never got around to watching it. So please, tell me about Masters of the Universe and your hot takes about it. Okay, so I like Masters of the Universe, which is a very controversial opinion. The hottest take. It's a, it is a hot take. Um, and, and primarily, apparently, the reason that people were so mad about it was twofold. Um, one, Tila's character, Tila is the main character of this series. Like, flat out, Tila is the main character of Masters of the Universe. Which, by the way, it's not E-Man and the Masters of the Universe. It is Masters of the Universe by fucking design. Right. Because He-Man is in 25% of the show. <laughs> 
Um, is, is he in that position of like, oh, we need somebody to win now? Kind of. Um, he's, the, he's the Goku. Look, in the, let me just say, in the first episode, and this is not a huge, like, look, if, if you aren't, if you haven't watched it yet, this is not a huge spoiler. First episode, he dies. Okay. Um, now, in great superhero fashion, do you think it sticks? No, probably not. Um, but that means that Tila is pushed to the foreground, and Tila's characterization sort of sucks. It is not dog shit, but she is in, she is immediately very negatively affected when she finds out the truth about uh, Adam. Right. Uh, and she kind of just fucking up and leaves. She's like, I can't deal with this. Y'all lied to me. I'm done. Which, on one hand, I get. Like, I get the idea that, like, oh, she's very angry. And so, so, so this is a, so this is a world where a lot of people already knew that Adam was, uh, uh, it, or at least a few people did. Canonically, Man of Arms. Uh, uh, Man of Arms or Man at Arms? I, I don't remember. I, I had the action, like I had the hand-me-down action figure when I was a kid. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe I'm forgetting. I think it's Man of Arms. Um, uh, or, uh, uh, Orko. 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 Uh, and in here, in this uh, version, the mom had suspected but didn't say anything, so she also knew. Gotcha. Um, and Tila basically, like the only people, uh, as cl like the closest to Adam. Oh, there was also the sorceress. So she also knew. Okay. Um, and so you had all these characters who knew, except for like her and Adam's dad. So she's pissed. She leaves, and like I, I kind of, I yeah, kind of way got out that. of the picture there. But unfortunately, it really kind of sucks that she is an asshole. The the writing leans way too far into her being this disaffected, like angry soldier to the point where it makes her unlikable, which hmm. isn't the whole show. There are plenty of scenes where it's like, okay, she's cool now, she's fine, she's relaxed, but then it comes back in ways that really hurt her character. But otherwise, the story is actually really fun. It's hugely steeped in lore, it expands on a bunch of characters, and the voice acting and animation are top notch. You've got Cersei as Evil Lynn. Holy shit! I didn't even recognize it at so, first. I was just like, this is amazing. I mean, Who's yeah, playing her? Yeah, you got Lena Headey. You got uh, Mark Hamill as Skeletor. Which, which I, I don't care I, if I think, he I, sounds like the fucking Joker. He sounds amazing. He is so fucking good in this show. It's uh, it, it's clear, like, I mean, it, it's a Kevin Smith thing. So That was the, by the way, that's the other thing that people are pissed about. Apparently, and I say apparently because I, I just do not give enough of a shit to look up all this stuff. By the way, I went into this only ever seeing the one trailer. I never heard anything about it, except for the, like, the day I was going to watch it, I heard about the controversy. Kevin Smith apparently uh, denied uh, that He-Man slash Adam was going to take a back seat. And mm. so, like, and he did it publicly and openly on Twitter a couple of times, apparently, and people were pissed that he essentially lied to the audience. Yes, okay, you know what? If you're if you're pissed about that, fine. But, I, but if you but if you wanted it to be a surprise, it, yeah. I mean, it's like, and also the marketing like heavily featured Team Man. Well, like, of course, heavily. I mean, <laughs> we we can talk about marketing when it comes to Suicide Squad too, and how it upends expectations as well. So. He, I think it ends expectations in a good way, whereas this promised something that people wanted and then didn't give it to them. That's fair. So I, it's kind of like, that's why advertisements, I, man, I, I, I get that they it's, wanted it's a, to hurt. It's, it's a real double-edged sword. Um, we talked about this when we were recording uh, Spider-Man yesterday, actually, but... You know, we're talking about the sequel to Sing and how you said you saw the trailer and it, it oh, did yeah. the same thing that the first <laughs> yeah. one did, which is like, I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it when trailers do this. Gives away the whole plot of the movie, just like the first trailer yep. for the first movie. Uh, so you have to ride this very delicate line when it comes to producing advertisements for your stuff because on one hand, you know, you give away too much of the plot and all of a sudden I don't give a crap and I don't really need to go see it. Maybe I'll watch it for free someday. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, if you mislead the audience too much in another direction and get them hyped for something that's not going to happen, you upset the other end. So yeah. there's this very particular balance. There's an art to advertisement that I think goes uh, really underappreciated because uh, some movies do it really well. It's also worth saying that we're only halfway through the show. For some fucking reason, they released it, uh, and like they're the release in two halves, and we've only seen the first half of the goddamn show. Now it it tells an arc, like it feels like okay, this kind of feels like the first season of a show in a way, although it's only five fucking episodes. 
But I don't know why they did this, because if the second half of the show, like, I feel like is really going to be necessary for me to even say whether or not the show is actually good, because... Again, I really li I liked the first five episodes. It is a solid 7.5 for me. And then an IGN 7.5, like, literally unplayable. But actually, hey, I want to see a second season of this because I want to see where it goes. Yeah, uh, Netflix has been doing that a lot lately. And I'm wondering how much of that is due to uh, COVID restrictions and having to, like, scale back on production for a lot of things. That could uh, be it. Another show that I really liked, uh, we talked about it a few episodes back, Lupin. Uh they got their first season, and then the first part of the second season done, like, you know, they, they got the, like, they got a half season released a month or so back. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, you're leaving it off on another, okay, I'll wait, because, uh, you know, we got a first cliffhanger, now we got another one, it's like, I just want to know how this ends. Just yeah. let me, let me know, but... You know, I, I guess that's just how Netflix deals with things. They do the same thing with, you know, we, we talk about Netflix anime jail. It's It feels yeah. like the same thing. Yeah, anime jail, um, which finally got to see Beastars Season 2, which that was good. Yeah, no, they released that all at once. They didn't segment that like they did with, um, I know with Baki, they released like half seasons hey. at a time. So, <laughs> it's not showing me any errors in Streamlabs, but... We are experiencing technical difficulties. We'll be back shortly. So overall, you enjoyed Masters of the Universe, but yeah. it just—it's got—it's got. I don't want anyone to think that I don't think it has problems because yes, it's got problems. It definitely has problems. Um, but I also really I, again, I like the performances. I like the animation. I like the story. I don't love the story, but I like the story. I like how it expands on the lore. I like how it explores the lore. It's just, it's a cute little show that has some really, really good moments and some like great performances. And I honestly hope that people give it a chance without any of the Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith bullshit, with any of, without any of the bullshit with the advertising. I think it is a solid show with some really questionable writing for the main character. When part two comes out, I might give it a shake. I don't know. I just. I I haven't been watching a whole lot of stuff lately. I've been watching like some older stuff. I've been going back through like JoJo lately. Oh yeah. Uh finally made it through part 5. Uh it was good. I liked it. Uh main main villain's power is kind of hard to comprehend and I don't think they do a very good job of showing it off. Oh really? <laughs> Apparently someone thinks that King Crimson's ability is difficult to comprehend. I I just say like animating it it just a, li a little difficult trying to show off exactly what it is. I understand what it does, but... It, they, yeah, it's it's basically that episode of Futurama. Yeah. The one where they keep skipping through time. Mm -hmm. and that's essentially it. But he gets to live through that moment. Yeah. And see how it ends before it happens. So... Um, I will say, King Crimson's ability is kind of bullshit. Uh, but, hey. So is Dio's in an effect, but I guess this one's even more bullshit. Although, I wonder how those two powers clash. Because he could see, like, if Dio stopped time and, you know, King Crimson could see, like, the results of that time stopping, would he be able to counter it? I, oh, I'm pretty sure that people have probably written Oh, uh, almost certainly. I'm it. sure it's been debated to death on the internet. But yeah. it, it, it got me thinking, I'm like, which power is stronger in this situation? Because if he stops time and you know the results of what's going to happen, but how do you avoid it? So what I really want to see is, um, okay, so, by the way, I, man, I don't want to talk too much about JoJo Part 5, because I can get, if once I get started on Part 5, I won't stop. So, let me just say, Part 5 is like my second to least favorite part. Same! Yeah! I enjoyed it for the most part. I, I agree that 4 is better, though. Thank you! Yeah. No, that's, that's one I want to hear. I'm, I'm on the side of that, but man, uh, after 4, which is, is very slice of life, and, you know, there, there's like some fucked up stuff that happens in it uh which actually makes the stuff more fucked up because it's like fewer and far between oh yeah part but five part is five like violent just like bam 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 that guy's dead yeah no part five is like hey these are a bunch of gangsters and hitmen they will fucking die and yeah. I, as opposed to part three which the jojo gang puts a lot of people in the hospital and in retirement yeah. no part five these guys are dead they, they are, are fucking wasted. gone which, uh, like, a lot of them are really scummy, shitty, terrible people, so yeah. it's kind of for the best. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. Speaking of scummy, shitty, terrible people, let's talk about Suicide Squad! We're here, and that was a good transition. I'm very proud of us for that. Ah, patting myself on the back. All right, so, uh, 2016, su 2016 Suicide Squad. Do you remember that one? Uh, no, actually. I have blocked it genuinely out of my memory. In fact, the most that I actually remembered from it was that Cosmonaut Mark actually did a whole fucking thing on it, on it in his series, the worst superhero movie ever made. Um, which is basically just him covering bad superhero movies. And holy shit, it is really bad. It is so fucking terrible. It's pretty god awful. Uh, apparently, uh, Aronofsky, I believe, who was the director, like, of that, but didn't get the final say because oh, no. studio meddling. No. Uh, WB had the worst case of Oh, Marvel's do or Disney's doing this. We need to adjust like midstream, like try to course correct immediately. Like, oh man, uh, l look what they're doing with Guardians of the Galaxy. We should do more like that and uh, uh, make it poppier, make it better. That's not what Aronofsky does. Uh, no. he, he he apparently got like really pissy on Twitter recently, especially after the Snyder Cut got released. Like, I I had a very emotional story to uh, tell. Soulful about, drama, yeah, soulful drama, soulful drama of these characters, and I could see some inklings of that in that movie, um, especially with the fire dude. Uh, yeah, but uh, that's not what we got, and I doubt that the studio is going to go ahead and let the Aronofsky cut make the list because uh, now we have. The Suicide Squad by James Gunn, and yep. it is probably the first time that DC has released a movie that I'm like, you know what, this is better than a lot of the Marvel stuff. Yes, one, yes, yes. This is easily, easily better than half the Marvel movies. And that is, that makes me so happy to say. And and it's not and That's just, not to say that the Marvel movies are bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I came out of Suicide Squad, and I, I, or, you know, after I watched it on uh, HBO Max or Go or whatever the hell it's called now, and I'm like, wow, I thoroughly enjoyed that to the point that I forgot that I could enjoy movies before that because quarantine was a goddamn wasteland. Uh, not that there wasn't like some enjoyable stuff that came out to, you know, take up the time, but holy crap, I forgot what it was like to enjoy a movie for a while. Yeah, I won't lie to you, man. It was, uh, I wasn't sure what to expect going into it 100%, because, look, I, I like James Gunn. I, I, I really like his films, and, and all the fucking controversy over him was so stupid bullshit. Um, yeah, the dude used to work for Troma. If you go back and watch that stuff, just, man, what he said on Twitter is nothing. Yeah, no, like, and if anybody knows about making, like, offensive material when he was younger, yo, hey, sup. Um, like, yeah, no, I wasn't sure what to think, because while I like James Gunn, it's the Suicide Squad, after the last Suicide Squad, from DC. And I'm, so, I genuinely was like, alright, how much are they gonna fuck with his film? And honestly, it feels like they didn't fuck much around with they, it. They, they just like lifted their hands up. They're like, you know what? Do what you're going to do. Clearly, uh, you kind of knew what you were doing when you were working with Marvel there. So we're just going to like go kind of hands off here. I don't know how much studio meddling there was in this. Maybe there was some, maybe there wasn't. But whatever it was did not seem to impact the product as negatively as pretty much every other thing that they've put out except for Wonder Woman. If there was anything they fucked around with, it was, oh my god, okay, I, I liked the music, but the fucking licensed soundtrack got a little tiresome. Uh, honestly, I'm pretty sure that's just James Gunn being James Gunn, because all, all of the music choices that were in there, they were very reminiscent of Guardians of the Galaxy. Fucking Decembrist, though! Like, when they introduced Deadshot, it's fucking, uh, it, like, in, in the prison. Oh, in, in, in the, the prison. In the, in the first yeah. one? Um, not, not, not Deadshot, I'm sorry. Bloodsport? Bloodsport. So, look, it's just Deadshot's character with Idris Elba. Uh, uh like... completely different, sir. Uh, right. <laughs> um, that, yeah, it, 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 it's almost like they were making fun of that when they bring in fucking John Cena. Oh, they absolutely <laughs> made fun of it. Yeah. Like, they, they lampshaded it hard in, in, in very uh, evident James Gunn fashion. Um, although, I, if... Look, you, you know, gun to my head, James gun to my head. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, if I had to choose between Will Smith and Idris Elba, oh, it's not even a question. Elba every day, all day. 
Although since they didn't recast Idris as Deadshot, that does yeah. mean that they can bring Will Smith back in now that Will Smith knows that he can make money. I wonder what, I wonder what Will Smith was doing instead of this. Uh, who knows, man? I mean, the dude the dude doesn't have to work a day in his life anymore. He could do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, I, and he has been. Yeah, he's fine. Um, but yeah, I I fucking um, what was I saying? Sorry, yeah, when they introduced the scene where they introduce Ages yeah, Elvis. You're uh, talking about the Decemberists. I, mean, yeah, and I know that's one of your favorite bands. So. It's, they're probably in my top five, if not my number one favorite band. Although it's 2018's Decemberists, and honestly, after. Um, Dude, you're talking to a guy who likes The Offspring. You don't need to tell me. Yeah, they. They aren't my, their later stuff is not my bag. But I'm also not one of those motherfuckers who says, you know, oh, why isn't your stuff, your old, new stuff, like your old stuff, I don't like you anymore. No, I can still love them for what everything that they did. Yeah, who says stuff like that? I don't know. Anyway, uh, but yeah, this movie, uh, I loved it. I, yeah. I, it is not without its issues. But sitting down, like I said, this is the first movie in a long while that I truly, truly enjoyed. And uh, it made me laugh. Yeah. It, it, it had moments that were genuinely kind of heartwarming and like kind of emotional. Uh, it did some amazing, amazing creative stuff when it came to like showing off some of its uh, set pieces, especially, you know, Harley escaping from the prison. Oh, yeah. Uh, where everything around, like, you're seeing what she sees kind of like as the world's kind of turning into like this uh, semi uh, Disney esque sort of uh, animated I, thing. I wouldn't even say Disney esque. It, it was it, like, it's just a gorgeous psychedelic scene. Yeah, but it, it had like these animated birds and like leaves and flowers. So it, it felt very reminiscent of those uh, Disney princess kind of moments. And uh, honestly, between this and Birds of Prey, I feel like they are doing a lot to uh, really make Harley Quinn a much better character uh, in terms of like where she started in the original Suicide Squad movie. Oh yeah, 100%. Where uh, her and Captain Boomerang were kind of the standouts in that movie. Uh, she is now real, like just a way better character. And I think the Harley Quinn show helped a lot with that too. Just getting her in the lexicon and changing up what her character was to people. Yeah. So I, uh, for the longest time, I was a Harley Quinn purist. Bruce Tim and Paul Dini's interpretation for me will always be my favorite interpretation, like my favorite interpretation of Harley Quinn. Primarily because she's just a lot of fun there. Like she's fun, she's goofy, she's not too serious. I, I kind of dug on that. I also like how they started it, in, in, like, in, like in a lot of the Bruce Tim inspired comics, mm -hmm. they paired her up with Poison Ivy, and they were more heavily implying it as time went on that they were a couple. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, one hundred percent about that. Um, so for me, uh, the later interpretations of Harley Quinn aren't my favorite. They're, they're, none of these you, are going to be. You don't, you don't like the Daisy Dukes and the baseball bat. That that just looked so. I feel I, I feel like this is kind of a shitty thing to say, but I feel like the audience will understand when I say it. Very daddy issues, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not about that with Harley Quinn. I, either I want her to be kind of a dumb but crazy goofball who's like a lot of fun to watch. I think this movie does that pretty well. Yes, though. this movie, this movie strikes that balance of her being a deadly, fierce fighter with her also being this dumb goofball very, very well. In fact, the scene, the scene with the gun and the and the fucking El Presidente, mm -hmm. fucking, I love that scene so fucking much. It, it, like, that whole segment took such a turn. It was amazing. Uh, uh, and, and it's kind uh, of hard to uh, talk about a lot of her characterization without getting into some spoiler territory, but I don't want to go there quite yet because I just want to uh, briefly go over, like, you know, some of the other yeah, yeah. Uh, characters and things like that. But uh, if, if you want a quick, you know, Highly recommend this. Yes. Okay. See it in a theater on HBO Max. It's it's all good. Okay. Go to a theater, be vexed. Okay, so who was the best Suicide Squad... Uh, who was the best Suicide Squad member, and why is it Sebastian? Sebastian's pretty great. I, I Honestly, I really, really liked Ratcatcher 2. I, I did really like Ratcatcher 2, and... I think I think we can just refer to her as Ratcatcher here, though. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. They call her Ratcatcher 2 in the in, uh, in the beginning but man uh, I lo I loved her subplot and uh, her like you know relationship with 
uh, Bloodsport and how it reflects his relationship with his daughter and just the way every character kind of interweaves and has their own relationship uh, really worked. Like you yeah. actually believe these people kind of see a bit of camaraderie in each other. King Shark, kind of the odd person out in that, but that's kind of on purpose. King, so I will say this, uh, Nanawe King Shark in this movie feels like he is there because King Shark's big right now. I feel like and that is. is I feel like that's the primary reason King Shark is King Shark. King, oh. King Shark. Yeah, King Shark is part of this film, which is not me saying I did not enjoy King Shark in this. But nah, can, I think they used him just right. Yes, which also meant they used him sort of sparingly, and he doesn't share a lot. He actually doesn't share too many scenes with other characters where he's kind of like in his bigger moments. Like I, I don't know, he's he always feels like he they're they're holding him back. Uh, he he is often kind of off on his own. Uh, sometimes it's because they're doing like reconnaissance stuff, and you can't have a shark walking around with you. Yeah. Uh, usually it's just because, you know, I'm I'm guessing, I'm guessing that it might have been a budgetary thing because the uh, visual effects for him might, you know, when you're like working with everything else. Uh, also, there's the fact that. Anything you put him in front of, he just kind of wins in, in this. A, a little bit. The fact that he's bulletproof goes a long way. Which, by the way, didn't know he was bulletproof. Um, but that's neat. I, I think it makes sense. I think his, isn't his primary antagonist uh, Aquaman, who is also bulletproof, so he has to deal with like Atlantean shit. Yeah. I'm actually not sure on that. I'm I'm not up to date on my King Shark I, actually, lore. My is King. I'm sorry. Is King Shark? He might be a Batman villain because no, no, he shows up in Arkham. Flash. Yeah, I think he's Flash? Flash. Oh, well, hey, that works. Man, Flash fights a lot of animals. <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, um, no, King Shark. King Shark's great. I, I do like him in this movie. I, I like so when I say that he's the odd one out, that is not me saying I wish he wasn't in the film. But he does genuinely feel like where every other character is so involved with the ongoing plot, he feels the most detached. And because, yeah, you yeah. can't have this giant fucking shark dude walking around with you when you're basically trying to scout in, like... And, and he's not much of a conversationalist, so you can't have a whole lot of dialogue with him. The dialogue they do have with him is, a, like, cute and fun, because uh, all of these people that are working there, except for Ratcatcher, are bastards. Yeah. And they, they just kind of treat him like, yeah, no, fuck, dude, sh shut the fuck up. It's... I, I will say, um, this movie went miles and miles out of its way to make Rick Flagg way more interesting than the last film. Like, by a lot. Yeah, uh, Rick Flagg in the first one was... Like, they, they gave him a plot with his, like, love interest being the witch. Oh, God. Uh, I'm glad that that's... Like, I'm glad they got rid of that uh, and, you know, moved forward... Like, this did feel very much like a soft reboot in a lot of ways. It really is. you know, you, you have, like, a whole new core team of the Suicide Squad, but then you, you know, you add in some of the, some of the oldies but goodies. I was actually really surprised, so, like, uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's also in the, literally the opening scene. I, I would actually call this a real spoiler, because, uh, all of uh, the is... advertisements and everything. So, yeah. if we want to get into that, we're going to be talking spoilers. I think, I think, look... Suicide Squad, the the Suicide Squad by James Gunn, absolutely see it if you're if if, if you're like up in the air on it because yes. I think we're about to get into spoilers now. So this is this is the first DC movie, like I said, that just felt above some of like that Marvel status quo. Yeah, so definitely, like every ton of great characters, great story. I laughed, I laughed, laughed. I didn't just like. <laughs> no, I no. I laughed out loud. The, I, I want to watch it again. I that saw is, it twice, and I still laughed the second time. Yeah. So, hey, yeah, please, guys, give this movie a shot. It's, I know, like, a lot of people are kind of up in the air because it's James Gunn, or it's super R-rated and violent, or it's the sequel. Uh, super R-rated and violent, honestly, like, put this up there, because that's one thing, I will say, before we truly get into spoilers, that's one thing that I think DC should embrace more. They should, uh... You know, they, they've already tried to be the more mature edge to what Marvel's been doing. So embrace that. You have an entire audience out there that grew up with a lot of these comic book characters that I think you can uh, play off of a bit better. You have something to retort here. I don't necessarily think they should do that. 
Um, not, but, not entirely. Not all the way. I, I, well, what I was going to say was, like, I felt like Shazam was such a great balance of more dark, like, darker violence and stuff, but also a very wholesome message. I feel like for most of my superhero films, that's kind of where I want those things to fall. And because I've never, ever really been a big fan of hyper-violent superhero and stuff. And that's fine. Uh, but I'm saying, you know... You, you should do both. I think that they, like, you know, the way they released the Joker, just kind of as its own standalone thing, out of universe. Yeah. I think they should take more risks like that, like they're doing with uh, Robert Pattinson Batman, which is clearly off on its own thing, because he's not Ben Affleck, unless nope. Flashpoint is really gonna <laughs> mess some things around, which it might. Uh, but I think they are on the right track, just being willing to take these characters and tell a story regardless of what is happening around them. Because, uh, you know, you, you can have Shazam moving around and doing, you know, fun, goofy, quirky adventures, or Superman, you know, being nice PG-13 superhero. So what you're but saying you is, all... fuck these cinematic universes, just tell good superhero movie stories? You can still have your cinematic universe, but you can have things that are happening within it that might be for a different audience. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying, you know, expand it in a different direction. Or, uh, as I'm sure Marvel is about to do, embrace the multiverse. Yeah, that's also true. I think but DC actually has a leg up on Marvel for the first time in a long time if they actually go that direction and embrace this, multiver uh, like this multiverse idea. I, I will say, the DC animated films for the longest time were killing it all, all the DC animated stuff was way better than the Marvel animated stuff for a long time. Until Flashpoint, and then they were like, okay, now everything's going to be kind of connected with each other, and we're basing it off the New 52, or New 52 and, which was a terrible idea. And even that, I kind of disagree. I, I have a respect for those uh, movies. I like the uh, fact that they had kind of a, you know, there, there's a sequence that you should watch them in. They weren't all great. They, a lot of them were kind of stupid, but to me in kind of an enjoyable way. So uh, I, I would disagree with you there that it was a bad decision to do that stuff. But I think, you know, DC, Warner, you might have something here if you just allow yourselves to tell these stories, embrace the multiverse. And, you know, you can still have your cinematic universe and you can you can rewrite it however you want as long as you do Flashpoint properly. Wait a second. Hold on. I forgot. We were talking about comic book films and comic book material and you just had a, a opinion that disagrees with mine. Mm -hmm. So we're done. We're out. I'm fuck you. Fuck you. So getting into spoilers now, we're going to talk about. This oh. is my job. I have to stay. Kaiser's back. Like uh, like every comic book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you thought I was gone, but then but I came back Came later. back. Yeah. So, spoilers from this point on. Yep. So, as you were saying, the opening, uh, we are- They killed Boomer! They, they I was, I was actually, Boomer! I was actually kind of sad about that. Really I sad so. about that. I was- Because he was like, he was my favorite character in the first movie. Oh! And I, I know that they did it kind of like a, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. Maybe, like, it, you know, very smartly, you kill off a character that people like because, holy shit, what, what maybe nobody's safe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they'll kill any of these characters. Killing, killing Boomerang was the right move, but it also, the moment it happened, I was actually kind of like, no, not Boomerang, why? Yeah, he, he was, like I said, he was the best part of the first movie. Like, him I, and Harley Quinn were the standouts. I am glad that he got a cool moment before he went out, though. The fucking, the guy's head falling apart. I'm sorry, I'm a fucking sucker for that yeah. shit. Yeah, uh, half of the characters that were introduced in the first teaser trailer, <laughs> gone. Uh, and... Uh, we don't really get a whole lot of explanation behind exactly who some of these characters were. Like, they're they're all like deep pulls from uh, comics, like the deep, annals of DC history. Deep pulls from D tiers. Yes. Uh, like, uh, what, what was it? The detachable uh, yeah, kid. Yeah, the detachable kid. TDK. By the way, that that's one of my favorite jokes in the entire movie. <laughs> is where he's it's the like detachable he pops kid. Out the huh, huh. And then you just see him like slapping uh, people. Uh, just people uh, with guns. Like, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> So, yeah. uh, we start off with, uh, Team Flag, you know, with Harley Quinn, Boomerang, uh, a bunch of characters that I don't remember, uh, one of which was one of the Francos, I think. Uh, and, uh, fucking, oh god, what's his name? From... 
Oh, the older guy. I, I, oh yeah, I, I don't remember what his name was yeah, either. I'm, I'm, I'm... Like they, 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 he's the opening shot of the movie too. Like him just mm -hmm. like bouncing his ball around, like showing like, yeah, no, I got like, I can aim anything. I, I can do whatever. Perfect, perfect. I, like, I am so happy they started on someone who died in the opening. Just yeah, to really and, send that message and, home. And, and they're really like selling you on this guy. Is like, yeah, no, like, you know, he's a soldier. He's, he's there to do the job. And he actually like shows up and he tries to save the weasel. Uh, who, Did anyone check if the weasel could swim? Yeah, they 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 airdrop towards this island in the middle of the ocean, and the the weasel drops immediately down there. Immediately drowns. <laughs> immediately drowns. This guy drags him to his shore. He's like, the weasel's down. You know, trying to play like good soldier, and then all hell breaks loose because uh, whichever Franco it was called ahead and was like, hey, by the way, you know, I'm, I'm turning traitor on these guys. Can you let me live? And immediately gets his face shot off. Which, uh, mm. Very reminiscent of the end of Super, by the way, if anybody else has seen that James Gunn classic. Uh, so all hell breaks loose. The, you know, the Suicide Squad that you were set up to think like, yeah, oh, this, this is your cast of characters is here. And... Almost all of them die immediately. Immediately, yes. And that's all over the opening credits where like, you know, they flash by their corpses or whatever's left of their corpses and shows like, this is who played this guy. This is who played that girl. Yeah, it's good. And the weasel. And the, by the way, the last scene with the weasel, yeah. I literally could not stop laughing. I fucking lost my shit because the moment we see the corpse, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And the fucking waddle. Yeah. As he runs like, ah, the, ah, ah, I couldn't, I, I'm sorry. What a great fucking shot. The, the weasel also involved like two of my first laughs in the movie. One was we're like, oh shit, that thing's a werewolf. Get away from me. And the other one was like, no, no, he's a weasel. He's, he's, he's good, he, well, he's not good, he killed 27 children, but I think he agreed to be here. <laughs> like, by the way, children, not, yeah, not, children. not people, specifically. Yeah, he ate 27 children. Which definitely makes me think they got, like, they picked him up from some uh, from some country in the like in the wilderness where he was just chilling yeah, out like like then, he's the chupacabra or yeah, something like, yeah i actually think he might have just be the chupacabra that they fucking like oh well uh we got to now we got to put this thing in fucking quarantine and yeah it drowns immediately but lives to the end of the movie well yeah, it, 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 I mean, it, it's hard to say whether that after credit sequence is after the movie or just after that battle. I think it's after the battle. Yeah, because um, it's, it's still night yeah, when but, they show him getting up. Yeah. But it's still a funny little mid-end credit sequence. It, it's perfect. It's perfect. Oh, and the other standout character from the original Suicide Squad, Amanda Waller, is back. Uh, in her, in her be like way better performance than the first one. I thought she was fine in the first one, honestly. Oh, okay, hold on. Performance, both good. Her use in this movie, way better. Yeah. I, I genuinely liked her in we, this movie. We got to see her be really dry and sardonic and play off of some of these other, like, very strange characters. It, and it, it, it helps. Being an extreme hard-ass, because we actually get to see her press the button and blow, uh, you know, old man's head off as he's, like, panicking, just like, no, I don't want to be here, fuck this. Yep. Tries to swim away, it's like, well, goodbye. Boop, boom. I think, yeah, it really does help that in this movie, she is flanked by strangeness. She is flanked by crazy weird motherfuckers. Fucking Polka Dot Man. Which, by the way, uh, stand out like fucking, I couldn't, I, I, don't, I don't can't believe that the, the Polka Dot Man in this movie ends up being one of the better characters. He was pretty great. I, I loved his uh, characterization, everything about his mannerisms and... Uh, <laughs> Another one of the big laughs I got is like, uh, you know, when he's explaining his backstory and the fact that his mother experimented on him and his siblings to try to make superheroes, infecting them with like intergalactic diseases and bacteria. And he's like, yeah, she, she did a number on me. Well, where is she now? Everywhere. Yeah. You just cut to this shot of everybody being this image of this very frumpy looking woman. By the way, so that, first of all, that visual humor joke is one of the best in all of comic book movies I've ever seen. They, they, Just, they might overplay it a little bit as the movie goes on, but... they Well, they show it three times. Uh, I, I thought I counted four, but... There's the first time where we see him seeing everybody. There's the one inside the club. And, and then, then there's, there's the one at the end. I, yeah. I thought there was one more, but my I think, bad. I think it's only three times. Okay. But I will say this. 
Um, I'm glad they revisited it the second time because it reminds you. And it's also in a really funny moment. Yeah. The, the one in the club is really good. And then, I, I was watching it with uh, my friend Pregame Gav, as a lot of people may know him. Okay. Um, we, uh, and, and when Starro... I, why do I care about spoilers? We've yeah, we're spoiler. talking yeah. about spoilers. When Starro comes out and is in full effect, both me and Gavin were like, oh my god, please let him see Starro as his mother. Please! Yep. And you know what? This movie loves to give you what you want and it does. does it with a plume. A plume? A plum? A plum. Yeah, a plum. It... I wanted that, I was dying for that, and the movie's like, we know what you want, and yes, you will get it. And I was like, thank you, movie! Thank you for giving me this amazing, stupid thing. And, and he gets, and, and he gets like an amazing final moment for him in the movie, too, where he's just like, yeah, I'm doing it! And... Although, man, I... Knowing framing in film, by the way, yeah, is you, like you the moment, the moment he's like, I'm a superhero! I'm like, oh hey, the framing is for the foot to come down, it's, there it goes, oh, there, no. there it goes. Yeah. There, he's gone. Luckily, it's quick enough that, you know, it, it happens. But, damn, I, I did not expect Polka Dot Man to be a standout. I didn't expect, like, half of these characters to be a standout the way they were. By like, the way, his power, like, on, on people is horrifying yeah, he, and so like, cool he to watch. He fires out literal Polka Dots and they're just these, like, plasmatic like they melt matter they destroying melt things. things. They, yeah, they just destroy matter. So we get introduced to the second team, which is uh, headed by Ed, uh, Idris Elba and I guess kind of co-commanded by John Cena because they have this like rivalry thing going. Yeah. They, and they lampshade it like immediately because Idris Elba Bloodsport is like, uh, this is Bloodsport. He was trained from a young age by a very abusive father in order to be a perfect soldier. It's like, yes, you were all, you were all selected for your unique skills. This is Peacemaker. He was trained. He was trained by an abusive father to be the perfect soldier. Are you taking the piss? <laughs> you have to laugh. That's that's the that's he does exactly what I do, but better. Yeah, but I do it better. Ah oh, man. Yeah. I, yeah. I did not expect John, like you know John Cena, who has has a very like you know marine build. Like he, he's. Oh yeah, he's perfectly fit for that yeah, character. He's, he's he's great, and I did not expect to enjoy him in this movie as much as I did because holy shit, uh, does he go from being this? Uh, he he is uh, equal parts funny, uh, charming. And also deeply unnerving. Yeah. Like, you get to see kind of the villainous side of John Cena. When he's playing a bad guy, he has a great scowl. Yeah, well, and I think that part of that part of that definitely comes down to the fact that he's gotten older. And, like, with that build and that look, he's he's very, very slowly becoming Drago from fucking Rocky. Kind of. Um, but, yeah, he's he nails it because I could easily see him in a more of a superhero role... But in in this in this role here, he is a fundamentally fucked up, like psychologically fucked up character because his entire thing is peace by any means necessary. Men, women, yeah. children. What they what they did with him, and this is something that I kind of reflected back on Marvel. Is as soon as we saw, like you know, as I watched his interpretation of Peacemaker, which is the only interpretation of Peacemaker I've ever seen, admittedly, uh, I couldn't help but think back to Falcon and Winter Soldier and what they were doing with Walker, and I'm like. This is way better. Like this is this is like it, this is way better than what they were doing over I, there. I sort of feel like those characters are they are different. They're they're different and they're hard to compare. But I definitely I loved. I don't know. You're you're right though. John Cena kills it as this character. He's like, it's almost impossible to think of better casting. I'm sure you were happy. You got to like you got like a full three oh. and a half minutes of him just standing there in tidy whities Okay. Yeah. Um. Look. I'm 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 only human. Okay. That I couldn't help but look. I mean, Jesus! Like that's just standing it's there. It's right there. It's in center frame sometimes. Yeah. Oh God. Fuck. It, it's. Uh, actually, I'm there's... like, is that is is that is that shit VFX or is just he does he just radiate BDE? You know, like. Uh, uh, you know what? He was probably like, I have to share screen time with Idris Elba. You have to give me a bigger package. And this whole time he's been wrestling in jorts. I'm like, oh no wonder he'd be very distracting otherwise. <laughs> like, holy shit. Yeah, man, he's packing. Um, I don't, I don't know how much any of that is actually him, or if the, or if, if, if they added something down there, like a prosthetic a sock or, or something. But yeah, no, dear lord, I, yeah, wow. Um, but yeah, it, they, the movie actually had a bit of fan service in it, like uh, between him and uh, the uh, leader of. I actually forget the damn name of the. 
Yeah, uh, the the country that they went to, the the island nation. Corto Martizia? Corto Martiz, something like that. Corto Martiz. Something like that. Corto Martiz. Corto, it's one of those. Yeah. Uh, either way, yeah, like him getting out of the bathtub, like to greet Harley Quinn, which is a scene that I expected to go very differently. Like when she got captured, you know, you, you expect her to go straight to the prison scene, but uh, in an amazing set of like characterization and kind of giving you a good glean into exactly what these people are like, uh, they're like, oh no, you're very anti-establishment, very anti-American, anti-capitalist. We love you. Uh, in fact, if you were to marry me, like the president here, I would be seen as a god, and you know, <laughs> we could, we could really make this shit work. And then they I, I, have this like amazing montage where she feels like a princess. Which actually, that the moment where she walked out of the, uh, you know, when she got dressed in her pretty dress, I, I thought we were like getting set up for like you know, pull the rug out for under her, but no. Uh, and she had one of the most genuinely kind of like heartwarming deliveries when she stepped out of the limo like, I'm a princess. Yeah, she's, I love, I love Harley in this film. Like from beginning to end, Harley is, as I said, I'm I'm a very, I'm very much a Harley Quinn purist. Bruce, mm -hmm. Bruce Tim and Paul Dini's interpretation, very specifically but, those but two. But Margot Robbie. Yeah, Margot Robbie nails it. Mm -hmm. um, and. I love the moment where uh, it, it is it is a really funny moment where he's like, um, and you will, and you know, they want me to marry you, and she's like, oh, and for this moment, it's like she's like offended, like, oh, I'm just here as a political pawn, and then he's like, but I'm a romantic, and I and I fall in love with you, and then immediately she's like, you're so fucking hot, and yeah, then like, bam, because she's a you know, she's a creature of impulse, and she just goes for it, yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, after that, they're having this big talk about like, you know, this is what my family did, this. Is is what we have to do. Sometimes we we've had to, you know, eliminate people and kill children. And she just pulls out a gun and boom, yeah, shoots off, him off, right. Yeah, off screen too. You don't see her. You don't, you see, don't her see her with her the, gun the gun until after she uh, after she shoots him. And it is not only perfect framing, but her response of like, look, after my last boyfriend, I, I had to start looking for red flags. And and you know, killing kids. That's that's a pretty big one. And I know what you're saying, Harley. Why don't you just run away? And you know, I just, I, I can't do that anymore. Because you know, when you got a taste in men as bad as mine, you know that it's never that easy. Which, by the way, big character study <laughs> moment, like holy shit. Yeah, when she like is like adm admits to like, look, I got really bad taste in guys and they never leave me alone afterwards. So you, I gotta shoot you, sorry. Which, like, yeah. Such a great <laughs> moment that like, uh, on one hand, it's one of those things where you kind of feel it coming, but when it actually happens and when she's like delivering that monologue, just great. I, I honestly didn't see it coming. I, I like it took me purely by I, surprise. I thought I thought it was going to happen later. Right. But when it happened immediately, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Uh, so then like all the troops run in. She's like, fine, fine. I get it. I get it. She like puts down the gun. I, I will say. Um, the movie gives her plot armor. She she should have been dead the moment she shot out uh, that guy. The first movie gave her plot armor too. Let's be honest. I mean, well, yeah, she, but the first movie was awful. Yeah, uh, she, you know, you know, as combat proficient as she shows herself to be, as unpredictable as she shows herself to be, she's still just a woman who knows acrobatics and. Which is why, by the way, she was part of that first team. By the by the way. Fucking Waller was like, knew they were all gonna die. They were not there. I to think. Get I think. She, I think she was counting on them being like counting on one of the teams being a distraction. Well, obviously, like, look, if you compare the uh, qualifications of each team, look at the losers that were in Team A and look at the winners in Team B, and tell me that she actually had any hopes for Team A in comparison. Th think about it from the other side, though. Uh, team A, you know, team that's getting dropped into the ocean that, you know, ended up getting wiped out, had three members who had already done an impossible mission. And Team B was untested. So, but I think she's covering her bases there. Even if Team B had more qualified soldiers, Team A still proved that, like, you know, out of the group that they had, a couple of them already knew what they were doing. Um, but yeah, the, I still, I, it still to me kind of feels like Waller knew what she was doing there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and the fact that not only Harlequin, not only Boomerang, but fucking Rick, like, oh, poor Rick Flag is in there, like, getting put in the shit. It, would, it would, was definitely, I to me at least, supposed to be a suicide mission 
Not uh, not to get through <clears throat> to the actual objective, but literally to serve as a distraction. Yeah. Fuck, man. Oh, if I were it, it like poor. Of course, Rick doesn't make it to the end of the movie, but if he had, I can imagine like him going up to Waller, like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, you had this very interesting uh, dynamic between Rick Flag, uh, Peacemaker, and Bloodsport, where you know, uh, you could see that Rick Flag and uh, Peacemaker, they both believe in the mission. They believe in the ideal of like, you know, th this is what we are fighting for. We are fighting for, uh, Bloodsport's just there, I need to do this because otherwise Waller's gonna put my kid in jail. Yeah. Um, so seeing the, you know, the three of them, uh, cause morally speaking, Bloodsport's and Rick Flag have more in common, but Rick Flag and Peacemaker are both more tied to the mission. And then backstory wise, you had Bloodsport and Peacemaker who are kind of have this rivalry going. Uh, Rick always felt kind of like the odd man out, especially when they had those like big, you know, big muscle flexing geared up moments. Like, oh man, look at him. Just, he's doing his best, damn it. And it's not like the guy's, you know, scrawny or small or anything, but he's standing he's next to John Cena. Yeah, next to John Cena and a just genuinely big dude with that is Idris Elba. Mm -hmm. Idris is just a big guy. Yeah, uh, so we get introduced to Task Force B, and, or Task Force X Team B, and this is your real Suicide Squad. Uh, I loved how they introduced King Shark, just walking in, him holding a book like, what the fuck is that? But, uh, oh man, fucking, I don't know if they needed Sylvester Stallone to play to play him, but his he, voice worked perfectly. It, yeah, it, it, and... it, 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 it worked very well. Well, okay, what would you do to blend in? Fake mustache! And the next scene, you just have him like covering his finger with his lips, like, that's the worst fake mustache I've ever seen. Fuck! <laughs> the fuck, yeah, the fuck the in the fuck wall. got me so hard, I'm just like, ah! Because so far he's spoken just like very bluntly, very politely even. You've never seen him like swear or like even, like, yeah. you know, he's never yep. even really gotten upset, but then he's just got like, fuck! Yeah, no, it's, it's perfect. Also, I know we've talked a little bit about it, but man, Ratcatcher is... I wasn't expecting to be moved in this film. Uh, let me let me be very clear. There was nothing to prepare me to be emotionally moved in this film. But she managed to do it, and that is she, strange. She comes across as, like, so very, like... Not necessarily out of her depth. Like she's she's always kind of in control. Like when she is able to, you know, use her rat collar wand, uh, she she's kind of OP, honestly. Especially when you see what the rats do, and you get this like beautiful dynamic between her and Bloodsport, who yeah. has a rat phobia because his dad used to lock him in a crate with rats that were starving. So that was a unique thing that yeah. they managed to tie together there. But then you have all these beautiful flashbacks of her and her dad and how she explained like, uh, you know- Played he, by he, Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi, uh, who, you know, you know, he, he loved me, he, he taught me, and he, you know, he built all these wonderful things to help, like, you know, help us live. You know, they, they would go out, they would never steal. They would only collect what was lost and bring it to us so that we could uh, survive. And you have this beautiful, beautiful moment at the end, uh, during the climax of one of the most brutally violent but visually beautiful things I have ever seen, uh, where the rats are all attacking Starro the Conqueror. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you just get this beautiful line that actually, you know, kind of made me tear up a bit. Why? Why do? We, why do? Why rats, Daddy? Because they because they're so insignificant. And if something like this can matter, then we all matter. And it's like, oh, that's so cute. Like, especially with the music swelling. And the city, and... oh my god, that fucking, like, the, uh, the camera the... pull out over the city. Like, god, shit. Like, the... I didn't even need, like, that scene hit me emotionally too. But even just the scene where she's talking with Bloodsport in the car. Mm -hmm. When she's going over, like, like. You know, when, you know, but, you know, he had his vices and they took him. And you, she, you see him with the needle in his arm and. Uh. Which, yeah, that. That's not played for laughs. No. Like, his heroin addic addiction, like, in, the thing is, he was definitely, he was definitely yeah, haunted by his one. Yeah, yeah. Ratcatcher 1 was haunted by his own demons, and his heroin addiction killed him. But he loved his daughter, he tried to take care of her, and just, that whole fucked up scenario playing out sincerely was 
God, I love James Gunn. Because so good. He he makes these moments. I cried at the... I actually cried uh, like twice in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy... Like, Guardians of the Galaxy shows that he can handle emotional He's weight even in these moments of like crazy weird shit. He's great at adding a firm emotional core to movies where just absurd bullshit happens. I mean... It, you have a movie with a giant talking shark that literally rips a person in half every now and again, eats them whole, and then uh, it, it all, you know, you, you get that moment where uh, John Cena turns on them because he's all about the mission and he needs to make sure, you know, information doesn't get into the wrong hands and starts attacking people, uh, even kills Rick Flagg, and then uh, it all devolves into a massive kaiju Starfish, Starro the Conqueror, uh, which, you know, in, in terms of DC lore, has done some pretty devastating shit. Like, I mean, Starro, you know, took over Superman at one point, and uh, pretty big villain, all things considered, in terms of what it is capable of. Uh, and then it, it turns into this massive kaiju fight at the end where these guys just, you know, go against mission and save this country. By the way, there's no visual more disturbing. Like, Starro is actually just full of disturbing it's, visuals. It's, it's Eldritch like, Horror. Yeah, so many disturbing visuals involving Starro in this. But, like, the two top among them are one, the fucking armpit. Oh, yeah, the, God, that was... The, 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 arm, oh. the arm gina shooting out all the little starfish. And then the other one, I think you're talking about the one where you've seen the starfish be ripped off of somebody's face. Oh, okay. That one. Okay, that oh, that whole segment was also nothing but horror, nothing but body horror in the worst way. But no, I was gonna say, the the feet of Starro is oh, oh yeah oh no and, uh, uh, oh and, man. Both, and, both Quinn and I were watching the film on my second time, and he's just squirming in the seat like almost about to vomit during that scene. And but I it's get also, it. But it's also so visually pretty the way they the way that Gun does it. It's like wow, this is really disturbing if you think about what's actually happening. But what's happening on screen also looks really cool and kind of pretty because uh, at the beginning of the movie, and we like you know we get a great through line here where uh, Javelin, one of the members of Team A, is like uh, who kind of flirted with Harley Quinn for a bit, and he's kind of dying next to her. Take my Javelin, carry it for carry it for what? For who? For who? Carry it for. And she, and she continuously throughout the throughout the movie keeps finding the javelin popping up as she's going. She's like, "Oh, hey!" Grabs it again, uses it, and at the end, you know, she's standing right in front of the starfish with the giant eyes. It's trying to swipe off rats. She dives in, stabs it in the eye, and the rats follow her inside. And it, you get this beautiful visual from the inside of the starfish's eye liquid as the rats swim past her, and the lights shining through, and she's floating there. And, and the like, rats wow. begin to eat at the nerves of the eyeball, and all this like all this blood starts vignetting around. <laughs> Visually, it's beautiful. Uh, oh. What's actually happening is horrifying, as the rats literally eat the creature from the inside out. Oh, holy it's so shit! Terrible. It's, it's so cool too. Yeah, and it, it's amazing. And oh, Starro's last line is actually super tragic. Starro is literally like, I was just happy floating in the stars, you I dare. just wanted to look at the stars. <laughs> it's so, it's really, it's it's tragic in a really, like, cosmic fashion. And just watching that, like, all pan out, like, Jesus, man, this movie is ridiculous. It goes, like, it it, it does so many different things. It, it Like, it switches on a dime, too, because, like, initially it's like, okay, we're going in there to destroy this facility. Uh, in order to do that, we need to find Peter Capaldi, the, the thinker, I think. Who, by the way... Great. I wish there was more with him in the movie, just because a Peter Capaldi is always a treat. I'm, I, we got enough of him for the, what the character needed to be, but mm -hmm. fuck, man. Yeah. Uh, we, like, his characterization was great, uh, especially because, like, he's playing it off, like, very Vulcanish. like... C question. Do you think the line from him the, that response of, like, be careful about that question, the answer might surprise you. Yeah. Do you think that was improv? I think that was I, improv. I bet. It's like, how, how, would you like, how would you like rats crawling up your ass? Careful, careful about asking that question, the answer might surprise you. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's clear from when we get to see him in, like, you know, star, like, the lab with, like, 
Starro in it, he's been doing some pretty freaky shit. Some holy fucking creepy shit. Yeah, like, it's also, implied that he has like a uh, romantic entanglement with Starro, completely one-sided. Uh, but uh, also, it's a. I like how they drop the line very early on. It's like nothing but corpses below those stars, mm. which is uh, like they're they're very quick hand wave of. By the way, all the people that the Suicide Squad end up killing uh, after that, don't worry, they were already dead the moment Starro got a hold of them. They're they're basically symbols yeah, all, in that regard. All all of the people that had a starfish attached to their face, they're dead. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But you also have the perfect group of people there to basically wash their hands of us. Hey, we did what we could do. Yeah. We, and you know what? We saved a lot more than died. I will say one segment that I felt, while, while being very interesting visually, and like the, the visuals, the audio, oh, this whole scene is really neat. The scene with Kingfish, uh, King Shark. Fish, King Shark and the fish. Oh yeah, the little jellyfish thing. Where he's, oh, friends! Yeah, the music in the background as he's jumping around. Okay, first of all, enchanting scene. Also, sort of pointless because it doesn't really go anywhere other it, than it, the, the, apparently it doesn't. The, but they added another scene with King Shark, and it was kind of it, it was pretty cute. And then you get the other end of that when things starts going to hell, and all those things turn out to be horrific monster creatures. Yeah, which is a good joke, but ultimately doesn't add anything to the story. Which okay, you don't always need that. So I'm not like I'm not saying that that scene should have been cut, but it did feel like okay, that was neat, I guess. Um, but yeah. Uh, Although, oh man, I really wish they'd have given King Shark a moment to go a little bit more Hulk at the end. Because in that one moment where he gets up after being shot by everybody and all, like, covered in the blood of those teeth, he eats one guy. He, he just eats uh, the one guy. He, he eats one guy in the camp when they're going to rescue Rick Flag. Uh, I think he eats another oh, guy. Oh, no, no, he eats, a, he, he eats plenty of guys. Yeah. I'm just oh, saying, in that scene. In yeah, that he, scene. he rips a person in half in yeah, that yeah, scene, though. Like, yeah, that was the big money shot there. Yeah, I just meant, like, after after he gets up, like, covered in blood and, and angry, it's like, oh, shit, he's about to go wild, and then he eats one dude. And I'm like, oh, okay. it, it was the, It was the general, though, so. It, it was the it was the general. I, I was kind of wishing he would have ended up killing the, um, the, uh, the main villain, what ultimately ended up being, like, the main human villain. Um, the, the, the president's brother. Oh, um, I don't really know if there was actually a main human villain, honestly. Like, that entire thing, like, the, the, you know, the command yeah. of that island changed, like, three times throughout which, that which movie. Which the final one is so good! The final one is so good! It's mm -hmm. like, now I am the president! Fucking, uh, the rebels pop in, like, hey, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Not. No, we're, we're in charge now. By the way, I thought like there was like, alright. Stand down or we'll fire. And how, how much do you want to bet that one of the dudes in the back was like, okay, I'm good with that, and everyone starts pulling out their guns like, oh, great. I was going to give up. Everyone just pulled out their guns, and now I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> man. Uh, such a good movie. Oh, it I, is. I, and we didn't even... I, oh, I, man. I, Did you think smaller bullets was going to come back? Chekhov's bullets, man. That was... I, I, I don't want to say how it comes back, because I don't want to spoil everything. We've already spoiled a lot, but... What for, for an those, amazing moment, it, though. It, it is so good. Uh, I mean, th there are so many set pieces in this movie that just are great. And uh, especially, like, you know, there's there's that great bit of comedy when they're going to rescue Rick. Uh, which, is which is probably like, you know, I saw it coming. But oh, it was a very... Oh, yes! Oh, my God! That whole... it, it, re it reminded me of Helsing, actually. She's like, wait, uh, wait, those were ours? Oh, my God! Who took care of the guards? Yeah, no, that... That whole scene, I, I didn't... I should have expected that. Like, once you see the fallout from that scene, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, no! Oh, no! Especially when you see what some of the people were doing while they were... Yeah! Yeah. Oh, no, it's like, it's like, that's... This this movie is not nihilistic with its dark comedy, but it is exceptionally dark. It it embraces the fact that this is a group of villains. Yeah. So they they don't necessarily need to have the moral high ground with a lot of this stuff. It, it is it's just it's insane because I feel like if that had been handled with any other tone 
that scene would have been horrifying. Like, it hard to move past. But, and but, yet, but in this just, film, yeah. because of how it's handled, and the tone, and the approach, I was like, I should be horrified, and I should not be able to continue watching the film after this scene. But the fact that it's just handled so perfectly, I'm like, I, I don't know what to say. It's so good. I turned them into my mother and my brain, and I killed them. <laughs> oh my god. So, oh. man, yeah, final verdict. Movie's great. It's, it's it, it may be in my top five. It might be in my top five like comic book films. It it it's possible. It's easily top ten. But man, uh, R.I.P. Milton. That's all. That's 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 all I got left. Who's Milton? You don't remember Milton? He was there the whole time. I think I'd remember a character named Milton. He was he was helping. He was a nice guy. This has been the Talkcast Pod Show. Oh, Milton! Yes! Oh, 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 you mean Bloodsport.